That's a growler. Hi, welcome to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we analyze and theorize about Beauty and the Beast, the 1991 film version. We are excited to be back with you again on this Monday. My name is Janae Hyatt. I'm one of your hosts, and we've also got Bobby Flores. Hello. And we are going to be talking about Minute 11 today, which starts off with Maurice getting lost in the woods and ending with Maurice asking Philippe the horse, where have you taken us, Philippe? <laughs> oh, it's a great line. It is. <laughs> you want to start us off, Bobby? I will. So we start off, and we're actually, you know, the minute starts with him riding off into the distance, into this, like, incredible landscape scene of, like, this valley in the mountains. And I, I'm not a big fan of the mountains. I think they're pretty, but I don't like being in them mm-hmm. um, very much. <laughs> but this is an awesome little scene you see some houses and stuff but he's riding off down the road and the next scene that it flashes to is him crossing a bridge um and i never noticed till i looked at this really carefully that there's actually like a little like staircase going down the bridge with a little boat on the bottom so they have a little landing i know i noticed that too well i was wondering why would they build those steps there and am i i'm wondering if somebody who lives nearby does their laundry there oh i thought it was just to get to the boat that's possible too (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (gasps) but I guess I didn't notice the boat. Is there a I'm boat? I'm pretty sure there's a boat, there like at the very is. bottom. Just like a little, like, it's not a canoe because uh, it's not South America, but, you know, a little raft thing. Cool. Yeah. So not a ton to talk about, but it's a nice little scene. And uh, the next thing I have is the, the owl. We go along and we see this, I guess, foreboding owl in the tree once they start getting into the scary woods. Uh, but I really like owls, so I've always been like, hey, look at an owl. <laughs> Sally, our researcher, um, found out a little bit of information about owls that I wanted to touch on. So the owl up in the tree, she told us, is huge foreshadowing because owls have always been used in art and literature to symbolize three big things. So the first thing that owls symbolize is wisdom. The second is magic or mysticism. And the third is death. Um, so while the owls may have creepy vibe, which, I mean, obviously Bobby doesn't think they're creepy, but <laughs> there's definitely some foreshadowing here that he's going into, um, possibly it could have meaning that he's going into this mystical forest and he's about to encounter a bunch of enchantments at the castle. So I thought that was a really cool thing that she, um, found for us to talk about. That is cool. Right. So the next thing that I have is the signs that he comes up to. You know, they're <laughs> riding through the woods. He's kind of lost and he comes to all these signs and you can't like read any of them. Right. They, which I guess, you know, if it's in the middle of the woods, people don't go out to very often. That's that might have been a common thing that the signs weren't very well taken care of, but they probably weren't very helpful to him. But in listening to like the, the commentary on it. Apparently there um is some little hidden bonus things in these signs. Did you did you find anything out about that? I think I heard that two of the names that are supposedly on the sign are from California. Yeah. So I believe it's is it Anaheim and Valencia? Yes. So Anaheim so, is uh, where Disneyland Disneyland is, right? I don't know. I can never remember the difference between Disneyland and Disney World. Disneyland is the first one in California. It's smaller. And Disney World is the big one in in Florida, I think. I've never been to either one, personally, so (laughs) I wouldn't know, but... 
Valencia. I'm not sure exactly what the significance of Valencia is. Do you know? I think he talked about it, but I don't remember. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But yeah, so it's just a little little thing hidden in there to kind of, you know, that was fun for the, the creators. But since it doesn't really pertain to anything in the story, I was like, <laughs> meh. Um, so one thing that I thought was funny was, so like right before you actually get a, a good shot of the signs is they're riding up towards the sign and Maurice is looking at, I'm assuming, a map. You never actually really see what's on the side that he's looking at. You only see the back uh-huh. of it. But I'm assuming he's looking at a map and he says, the line he says is, I guess I should have taken... And then he stops before he finishes his sentence and looks at the signs. And I was like, should have taken what? Should have taken a different road? Should have taken a better map? Should have taken something <laughs> more than written directions? Should have taken... What? <laughs> I thought, it's so funny because that's the way people talk to is they are saying something and they have a train of thought and then all of a sudden when something else can- catches their attention that it derails them from what they're thinking and they completely stop what they were in the middle of saying or thinking and they go on to something else. Anyway, I thought that was pretty cool and very... A good human nature tied into him. Yeah, I think they did a great job with the lines and with like the gestures that they give the characters throughout the movie. That's definitely something that that I'm seeing a lot of. It's like, okay, this is they're trying to make them real and somebody that you can relate to. So I think, yeah, they did a great job doing that. Yeah. Um. So after they look at these signs, they have to decide which way to go because to their right is a deep, dark, creepy-looking path with blue mist and scary sounds and to the left is a bright path with like golden sunlight and birds chirping and i thought first of all brilliant job sound designers (gasps) um because the sound adds to that visual that we're getting of these two options that maurice has and then the second thing is philippe's response to the options and he's like uh very obviously going to the bright sunny side (laughs) yeah that was my next point is philippe's face during this whole scene (laughs) hilarious it is the scene i mean maurice is kind of there he's the one kind of in charge but i feel like this whole scene is us getting to see philippe's reactions and he has a very uh his face shows a lot of emotion tells us what he's thinking and i think they did an awesome job on him and it's just so funny to watch you know, the facial expressions he's making as he's looking back at Maurice and trying to, you know, assert his will as far as uh, where they're going to go. Yes. Um, I I was really impressed with this horse. So, well, first of all, I found out a little bit about Philippe. He is a... Is he a Clydesdale? No, he's not. Aww. He's a Belgian draft horse. So he's a Belgian draft horse, which is a working breed of horse. And originally, in the original story, he was named Orson in the 1981 screenplay, which Disney did not use. And I was like, Orson? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they... Thank goodness they didn't use that name. That's so weird. But yeah, Russ Edmonds is was the supervising animator for Philippe, and he did a fantastic job. He also worked on Max. He was the supervisor for Max in The Little Mermaid, which is the dog, Sarabi in The Lion King, Phoebus in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. So he's very talented animator, and I just love how you can tell what this horse is thinking. You can tell what he's feeling just by his eyes and the way his ears move and the way his head moves and it's 
very true to the way horses move when their their um their master is trying to get them to go some way that they don't want to go <laughs> and things like that um so that was so cool another like thing about philippe that i thought i was really impressed with was that you don't really notice it but every time um it switches what angle you're looking at him from whether it's like looking at his right or looking at his left his mane gets flipped somehow because of how he moves to the other side so it's never blocking his face which mm. I thought just brilliant little tiny detail that the animators had to do or chose to do that help us to always be able to know what's going on with this horse and what he's thinking and feeling. So that was pretty cool. Some of his faces are hilarious. His double take when he takes a first glance at that dark, creepy road. Yeah, I was just looking at that. <laughs> uh, so funny. He's like, what the? <laughs> what I want to know yeah. also is what prompts Maurice to want to go down that road. The only thing I can think of is that, you know, he's <laughs> trying to figure out whatever his whatever is on his map and he must have, you know, from what he said earlier, realized that he didn't go the way he was supposed to. So for some reason he thinks that road, the darker one, is going to take them, you know, closer back to where they need to be. And this, I mean, the the invention convention or fair or whatever it is that they're going to, it's got to be somewhere far away because... He doesn't really know where he's going. He's right. following a map that he's probably never used before, going somewhere that he's definitely never been. And he's pretty lost at this point. It's definitely a long journey because he's been going all day and doesn't seem like he's too concerned about not being there already. Mm-hmm. So uh, it did remind me the the two paths thing of uh, Robert Frost. So Oh, good old Robert Frost. There you go. A little bit of literature tie-in. And then the... I did have one more thing about uh, Philippe that he totally reminds me of. I think it's Maximus, the horse from Tangled. I love that horse, too. <laughs> yeah, I definitely am like, hey, that's... I don't think they look similar because Maximus is white, but, like, they, they both have a strong personality to them and strong right. facial expressions to, to show what they're thinking, so... Yeah. Kind of reminded me of him. Awesome. So, so next as they're going, so they end up going down this road and we start to hear and see wolves and Philippe is freaking out. And uh, I mean, it's, it's funny because I mean, I'd be freaking out too, but Maurice doesn't actually seem to be worried yet or fearful yet. He's mostly just kind of like, Ah, I'm going the wrong way. What's going on? And, ah, Philippe. I mean, he gets angry at Philippe for taking them the wrong <laughs> way when he literally just forced Philippe to go that way two seconds ago. Yeah, I think it's funny that he does, he's, he's just a bit of an absent-minded professor, isn't he? Yeah, and I mean, this, this kind of ties into to what we've seen of him so far, is that he's not really paying attention to what's going on around him. He's in his own little world, thinking his own little thoughts, and at this point, he's thinking, okay, I'm kind of lost, trying to figure out this map and figure out where I am and get us to where we need to be, and doesn't notice that his horse is starting to freak out, and that they're in a really bad part of the woods, and that there are wolves, wolf, wolf noises uh, starting to surround them. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, but you just gotta love him. He's he's trying. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's about all I've got for this 
a minute. Did you have anything else that you wanted to discuss, Bobby, before we clock out for the day? I will. The last thing that I have is just to say again, I love how much detail they put into this, all the background work that I never noticed as a kid. You know, you just watch it, you enjoy the movie. But now that I'm looking at it at a much more slow uh, pace, you can see all the detail that they put in. You know, when they're riding through the woods, as Maurice has his lantern held up, you see like the light moving off of the trees from his lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just incredible detail, incredible artwork. I really hope that we're able to find some of the animators that worked on this film and have them come on and talk. That would be awesome. Oh my goodness, that would be so cool. Because I'm I'm starting to very much more appreciate the animators are the ones that create the movie and give it the feel of what it is and make you fall in love with it. And then the voice actors, they come in and, you know, they do their part too, but the the animators are the ones that I think really make the film what it is. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, they're just so talented. And I have a friend who's studying animation in college right now, and I, I would love for her to come on and just kind of tell about, I mean, because she's just starting out, and I would love to hear some of her thoughts about the animation and the things that they've done coming from somebody who's just learning how to do it, and then to have one of the actual animators come on. That'd be so cool. Yes. So if you're out there and you worked on Beauty and the Beast and you're listening, we would love to We love you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Great job. We love you. We want to meet you and talk to you. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Enough fangirling right now. <sighs> okay. So that's all I've got. I think that wraps up this minute. Thanks for coming and listening to us. We appreciate you taking your time and uh, tuning in and you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Beastly Minute as well as at GrowlerMedia.com You can find me as well on Facebook at JH VoiceOver. You can find me on Growler Media um, as well. Just send me an email and uh, that's how you can get a hold of me. Thanks for listening again and have a great Monday and don't forget if it ain't broke Don't fix it. Our theme music is by Duo Hansen. Something is really different on a growler.